this morning we're starting a new series. Um, we've just finished a series um, called Picky Te Order, which was um, about living life in all its fullness. And if you missed that, I'd highly recommend you, you check out our podcast and go back and have a listen because there was some really hearty, some really hearty meals in there. <laughs> Some really fulfilling um, teaching. Uh, this new series is, we've decided to call Perennials. Um, might make you think of those colourful flowers that might attend. But Perennials, <laughs> Perennial is something that is constant and it, it's all year round. And another definition of Perennial is um, a spring, a spring of water. A spring of water that flows constantly. And so that's a, that's a really good thought to hold while we, while we teach and think about um, what we love here at Urban Vineyard and, and most importantly, why, what we value and why we value it. So, perennials, this is where we are for the next few weeks. And I get to start, I'm lucky to get to start this morning with um, one, of our, one of our core values, which is worship. Okay, can I just tell you about this thing? This is, this is the, um, the Omnia from Watt Wheels in Christchurch. This is the Watt Wheels Omnia. It's an electric bike. Now, I've been, I, I came across this, this uh, electric bike online a few weeks ago and I just can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> I just, it just keeps popping into my head. Um, especially if I'm riding my acoustic bike, which um, is not electric and it's a, a windy day and, <laughs> and I'm riding into a, a northwesterly um, headwind. I just keep thinking about this, um, the, the what wheels Omnia. I mean, it's, it just looks like, <laughs> it doesn't even look like an e-bike. It's so slick and it's so, it's light, it's less than 18 kgs. It's got an internal hub on the back, so there's no messy external derailleur. Three speeds, that's all I need to get to work and back. It's got a, a carbon belt drive, so there's no greasy chain. Uh, it comes in red or black, and the coolest thing, which I love, is you can get an extra battery in the shape of a water bottle that just sits in the drink bottle holder. And so if you, if you run, out of, uh, run out of juice, you can do that. I just keep thinking about it. <laughs> it's beautiful. I could get to work and I could get home quicker. You know, I could, be, I could help out at home quicker if I had this bike. I could... Um, I could get around easier. I wouldn't be slowed down by the hills and the wind. I'd be it's from Christchurch, a Christchurch company. I'd be supporting a local e-bike outlet. This bike would make me, I'd be cutting emissions. The, the bike would make me a better person. <laughs> That's what advertising does, eh? It doesn't tell us to buy something because it's useful. It tells us to buy something because it'll make us feel better. It'll make us a better person. <laughs> It'll make us better people. Buy this thing, it'll save your life. It'll fulfill your dreams. It'll, it'll make you more worthy. You can see where I'm going, right? Why do we do this? Because I'm sure I'm not alone. Why do we do this? Uh, well, we can't help it. And I think if you've been in church long enough, you know this. We can't help it. God has made us. God has made us to be worshipping beings. And God's made us in, in, his, in God's image, which is to be loving and to be imaginative, to be creative, to be, to be dreaming and adoring creatures. We, we can't help but worship. And one of my favorite writers is uh, David Foster Wallace. He's a 
brilliant fiction writer. He's written amazing essays. He once wrote an essay about um, a, being on a cruise liner, which I highly recommend. But I won't talk about that right now. Right now, I just want to read the way that he encapsulates it. He said this at one of those graduation ceremonies to a bunch of graduating students. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there's no such thing as atheism. David Foster Wallace isn't a Christian, by the way. There's no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, then you'll never have enough. Or you'll never feel that you have enough. It's the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day, getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value or how you measure worth without ever being fully aware that that's what you're doing. There's a lot of words in there, but I think it really en encapsulates the way that we all are worshipping beings, no matter who we are or where we come from. So, here's me um, hoping and dreaming and building my identity around uh, an e-bike, which I don't need, really, in order to live. Although I'll tell Katie something different. <laughs> I don't need it, really. And it's way more expensive than what I could afford right now. It's all around us. Every day we're being sold this kind of utopian vision. And it's, putting it bluntly, it's the kingdom without the king, right? It's, it's the beauty of what God gives us and what God's prom God, God promises us, but it's not God-centered. Think about the mall, right? I used to work at the mall. I'm sure a lot of us did. It's, it's pretty great, especially on a rainy day. Think about the mall, though. It's, it's one of the, the biggest places of worship, for a lot of society today, you know, you go in there and it's just a full-on sensory experience. It captures our imagination, our imaginations with uh, what we see, with sight and with with the sounds and the, the touch and taste and the smell of them all. There's uh, lights and new things everywhere, new clothing, new products, images, lots of images of happy, perfect people, <laughs> looking carefree and clean and showing us what the good life is, showing us what the good life should be. And uh, we look at those people in the billboards and uh, in the windows and we think, well, it's not quite me, that's not me. I want to be like that, you know, so maybe I need to wear those clothes, maybe I need to buy that new thing, maybe I need to own that e-bike and then I'll be more, uh, more worthy or more fulfilled. And it's like David Foster Wallace says, we all worship and we all put worth on things. We put value on things and we, we hope for them and we build our dreams around those things. That's the line, you know that song, um, The Fairy Tale of New York, that everyone sings at Christmas time? Um, there's a line in there where he says, I can't make it all alone, I build my dreams around you. That that's always sticks in my head. We build our dreams around things because we're worshipping beings. But for us here, 
in urban, in our church community, like many church communities where we, we gather and we worship God, we worship our Creator, we worship our Savior and, our, and the Holy Spirit and our Sanctifier, instead of uh, being told that we're not good enough, like um, what we might find when we look at those billboards outside, instead of being told that we're not good enough when we worship here, what do we find? We find peace beyond all understanding. Like St. Paul says, we find a peace beyond all understanding. We find freedom from, freedom from the pressures and the voices of the world that tell us to strive and to jealously serve ourselves and put ourselves first. We're free to worship. We find purpose when we worship here. We find purpose in God's love for us. We find purpose in God's promises. We find rest when we worship here. We find healing. We experience healing. We experience encouragement. Uh, we, we are empowered. We experience empowerment as we, as we encounter the, sp the Spirit. And it's, you know, just by even being, in, being in, in presence with other believers together, like we have been this morning, even before the, the gathering officially began, just hearing the, hearing the practice this morning, I could already sense God's Spirit with us. Peace, freedom, purpose, rest, healing, empowerment, the gifts of the Spirit, so much more. That's the, the fruit that grows out of our worship. That's the, the outpouring. That's the overflow when we're filled up. Your love is better than life, is what David says in Psalm 63. Your love is better than life, and my lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands, and I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, and with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. That's what we, that's our worship. So choosing to come here this morning, already it's a, a powerful act of worship. Um, what Libby said at the beginning of communion, um, what did she say? I, she said, she's, she sensed God's presence and she felt that the, the best thing we can do for God is to, to be present. And so being here this morning, whether it's coming from far south or from far west, we come from, from far east, from all over the city. Some of us managed to uh, wrangle children and get here as well. And um, sometimes there's great wailing and gnashing of teeth and... <laughs> Rending of garments. <laughs> it was this morning. Some of us take more than one bus to come here. Some of us suffer the horrors of Zoom just to <laughs> be here in community with us, to be part of our gathering. These are powerful acts of worship. These are powerful acts of worship because we're saying this is worth, being right here, worshiping together, is this being right here is worth more than anything else for me right now. It's worth more than, especially on a beautiful sunny morning like this. Being here is worth more than anything. Why do we do it? 
I think, well, there's lots of reasons. I think we've had, a, we've had a taste of God's goodness before, haven't we? We've had a taste of God's goodness. We've, we've encountered God's spirit in worship before. We've been compelled or we've been inspired. We've been changed by the truth of God's word and, and the teaching that happens here. Or we're simply hungry just to, to be realigned, to be recalibrated, to come in from the noise out there and to be refocused, to be recentered in God. And sometimes we might just not even be in the mood for it. <laughs> we might not be in the mood for church, but we come anyway because we know that it's good for us, just like going to the gym. <laughs> Uh, we, we might just not be in the mood to be here, but we come anyway and we, we lift up our hands and we open our minds again and we open our hearts again because we know that it's good for us. And that is worship, especially when we don't feel like it. <laughs> in Romans, uh, I think Paul sums it up beautifully in Romans 12, the famous chapter where he says, so here's, now this is the message translation. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So don't, be, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And that's what we're doing. That's right here and right now. That's what we're doing. Um, just being in the room. So well done. You're worshipping already. Maybe at this point, let's just, let's just take a moment. Because... That ordinary everyday life, I th that's, that's been really capturing my imagination lately. I was listening to uh, an audio book by the pastor, Brian McLaren, who was talking about an experience he had in, he's American, but he had an experience in Christchurch, New Zealand, where he was chatting over the dinner table with a friend who talked about not practicing our faith, but faithing our practices. And that's what I think Paul is talking about in Romans 12, is taking the things of our ordinary, everyday life and, and finding in those moments where God is present. So let's just take a moment. God has given each of us different giftings and different loves. So maybe we can just meditate on that for a second. Close your eyes if you feel like it. And I just want you to think, I want to ask you, what are the things in life that you love where you can enjoy God's presence? What, what recharges your batteries? Is it, a, is it a walk or a run out in God's creation? Is it at the beach? Is it in the mountains? Is it watching a film or enjoying music? Is it gardening? Is it dancing? Is it simply being with friends and family? What recharges your batteries? Just think about that right now for yourself.
And where is God in those moments? I think for me, like probably like a lot of us, waking up in the morning and opening the jar of coffee beans and just having a smell of fresh beans and you grind the beans and the smell just comes out even stronger. You can already taste it. And you boil the water and you pour the water into the coffee and you just enjoy the, the smell and the sight of the steam rising and the taste of a hot cup of coffee on a quiet morning. And you say, thank you, God. <laughs> God is present in so many of these moments. All of uh, these things in our everyday life, it's, it's an opportunity to worship. But for us... In the vineyard, this is, before I go any further, I just want to say this morning, I'm talking mostly about expressing our worship through song, through singing together. Now, of course, worship is so much bigger than that. As I said, you know, worship is simply being here. Worship is ministering to each other. Worship is generosity. Worship is hospitality. But this morning, I'm just talking mostly about what we do here this morning when we sing. Expressing our worship in the way that we sing together, it's this key part of who we are. It's a core part of who we are. It's a part of the, the vineyard DNA, as it were. And I think we have quite a few copies of this book, if anyone does want to have a read. It's called Thoughts on Worship, and it's um, by John Wimber and, uh, his, and Carol Wimber, his wife, and um, a, a bunch of other great vineyard leaders. At the beginning of the book, Carol says, After we started to meet in our home gathering, I noticed times during the meeting, usually when we sang, in which I experienced God deeply. Uh, we sang many songs, mostly songs about worship or testimonies from one Christian to another, but occasionally we sang songs personally and intimately to Jesus. We sang songs personally and intimately to Jesus with lyrics like, Jesus, I love you. And those types of songs both stirred and fed the hunger for God within me. And later in the book it says, God called together, this is a, just captures the history, this is where we come from as a church. God called together a group of people in Yorba Linda, California, who were in touch with their desperate need for God. They didn't have much energy for anything but drawing near to him and to hear his voice and to receive his comfort. And they poured out their worship and their cries for help. And so that's part of, of where we come from as a worshiping church. That's a, a really core part of our DNA. It was born out of these encounters with the Holy Spirit through simple, simple songs of worship, through intimate songs of worship, songs directed to God and not just about God. And it's hard to imagine that today, right? Because there's so many songs are to, to Jesus. <laughs> it's really hard to, to imagine what it must have been like in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, 
because now you know we're surrounded by so much contemporary worship music. It's it's an easy Google search. Can you can you imagine life without Google? Can you imagine what it used to be like before you could just you had to go to libraries and talk to people. Um, it's hard to imagine today. There are so many churches around the world creating beautiful songs of worship to be shared. But for those early founders of the vineyard and for many of us who um, grew up in more traditional churches like um, myself, I, I loved my childhood in the, in the Catholic church, but in the beautiful songs, but songs were often hymns that were hard to join in on um, or hard to engage with and 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 that you know they're, they're beautiful for for many but I guess not for me I, I just want to be careful what I say because mum still plays the organ at church so <laughs> and she's still serving but it's just not for me uh, what drew me here what drew me to Urban Vineyard and what I love to get to be a part of up here and in the room with everyone is songs of simplicity and songs of intimacy to God Songs that are accessible to everybody. Worship is for everyone to join in on. And songs that inspire us to encounter God and expect his kingdom to break through with prophecy, with healing. That's a core part of our worship. Simplicity, intimacy, kingdom expectation. Sing a new song to him, it says in Psalm 33, and about a hundred other moments in the Bible. <laughs> Sing a new song to him. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise, it says in Psalm 40. Psalm 95 calls us to come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Hallelujah. Sing to the Lord a new song, it says in Psalm 149. Sing a new song to the Lord. His praise from the ends of the earth is what Isaiah says. And that's only a handful. So singing is important. And we have many ways of worshiping God in every element of our, of our lives and beings, as I said earlier. But there's something special about singing. There's something special about using our, our God-made bodies to make a beautiful sound. We, we have been given incredible abilities to be able to play and to make a box of wood which can be a drum and a box of wood which can be a guitar and to make beautiful music. But God gave us lungs and God gave us voices and God gave us hands to beat the drums. We have bodies which can make songs And songs also, the, the really fascinating thing about songs, I think, is that they take, they take, the, they take the thoughts of our head, they take the, um, they take the, the words that, that um, I can't think of, the someone else might be able to think, of, I really wanted to think of the word now, it's on the tip of my tongue and it begins with a C, um, and what I'm trying to say is the, you know, the, the, what's the word, Pete? Cognitive, Cognitive was the word I wanted. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. Cog cognitive, cognition. Songs take that knowledge from our head and put that cognition in our hearts. Someone said, uh, with words you think thoughts. 
and with music you feel uh, feelings. But you put those together and you get songs, and a song will make you feel a thought. And that's the power of song. Yeah, this combination of head and heart. And I think that's what Colossians 3 is, what Paul is meaning in Colossians 3 when he says, let the word of Christ in all of its richness find a home in you. With gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and inspired songs to God. So songs, they, they help us memorize scripture. Songs help the word of Christ find a home in us, as St. Paul says. They help us memorize scripture. So if I, if I what's the song that we often sing? If I say, um, all who are thirsty, come to the, yep, the fountain, the water. That's right, Isaiah 55. You've just memorized part of Isaiah 55. And that's what songs do. They help the word of Christ find a home in us. And these songs of worship, most importantly, are things that we get to do together, songs we get to sing together. Singing together is um, it's not a very common part of society today, um, and I think especially for Pākehā New Zealand. Yeah, it's not very, not very common in society today. Pete, can I ask, as a football fan from the UK, do you have, who's your favourite team? And when you're at a Nottingham game, do you what do you sing a song? Do you sing songs? <laughs> wow, that's cool. For if anyone on Zoom didn't hear that, Pete's just explaining that every club in UK football has has their own songs, and those are songs that tell their stories and their, of their history and their their geography, their place where they come from. Meanwhile, uh, in New Zealand, we'll probably go at the most. We'll go all blacks. <laughs> Like, I am hoping and praying that there comes a day where we're all sing, singing Tu Tiramainga Iwi, you know, together. May that come. But right now it's just all blacks. And, and that's, that's about as far as Pākehā New Zealand goes in terms of singing outside of church. So it's really a special thing here, what we get to do. It's, it's not a concert, is it? It's not a show. There's no, uh, I mean, it's, it's not performer and audience. It's not a consumption, it's not a consuming environment here. It's not like the mall. It's not performer and audience. It's, it's a moment where all of these different people, all of these different souls from around the city, all of us, we, we join together and with one voice of praise and thanks to our God. And that's our identity. There's this brilliant essay um, this website, by the way, Plough, it's an, it's an amazing website um, for Christian, um, for resources. And there's this great essay on here on Plough. And I read it recently, and it's about the special strangeness of congregational singing. And um, if anyone can't read the, the headline, it says, Is Congregational Singing Dead? It's Time to Make Church Music Weird Again. It says in, at the end of this essay, it says, there's a unique quality to making music together. And whether it's around the campfire or around the piano at home or around uh, in church, there's a unique quality that other forms of interaction with music don't quite match. 
church is one of the few places where people still make music together in this way. It's not a performance. The church will always be weird in a secular culture in far more ways than our music. In music, as in so many other parts of the church's life, this is a weirdness worth embracing. And that's the power of song, and that's why we embrace it. It's a weirdness worth embracing. <laughs> it's part of our identity. Now, I'm just coming to, the, to a close here, and I've put up... I've put up a quote there, an old quote, which has always inspi inspired me with, um, in terms of worshipping in the spirit. And just wanted to talk quickly about that picture in the background. That's one of the recent photos taken by the James Webb Telescope, which is seeing far out into the universe, further than we've ever seen before. And it's seeing stars and galaxies from billions of years ago and it's, re, it's, it's redefining and it's um, teaching the world's astronomers new things about the universe. And it's just so exciting to, to look at these photos and to, to think that there's still so much for us to learn. There's still so much that we don't know. And I think that's what, that's what relates to the quote. It says, if, this is from an old French author, if you want to, to build a ship, a boat, you don't you know, drum up people to collect wood and to, you don't give them tasks and work, making sails or whatever, but rather you teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. If you want to build a boat, you don't just get people to collect wood, but you teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. And if we want to worship in spirit, we don't need amazing singers or brilliant performances. That's, you've probably learned well by now that's not what we're about here. <laughs> Instead, with God at our center and in our presence, God above. Instead, we sing simple songs of love and we seek more of God's endless immensity and God's intimate, peaceful, powerful presence. So I've talked enough this morning. Um, why don't the worship team come on up and, and let's worship our hearts out this morning. I'll finish with this bit of scripture. And let's stand. And I just invite you to close your eyes and to, and if you're comfortable, to hold your hand, hold out your hands. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek Him in His temple. Amen. <laughs>